Hello, Rubes. Welcome to Meltdown. It's the live dollop. Here are your hosts, Dave Anthony and Gary Reynolds. That died fast. It's Gareth and Vicky. You're on the shit list. Supposed to have friends backstage. Out here is the battle. That went bad. Okay, Dave, ready to... Hi, Gary. Hi. <laughs> Welcome to the dollop. This is a bi-weekly podcast. Uh, <laughs> fuck, man. That, just one person, Twice sent, weekly. one person sends me a tweet, and I'm like, it's all over! Yeah. We can't use bi-weekly anymore! Also, I don't know if you've paid attention to your Twitter, they're making uh, a movie about Hugh Glass. Oh, I didn't... Yeah. I hadn't been told that 500 yeah, times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is a, there is a Hugh Glass movie, well, and I don't know if you guys know this. Leonardo DiCaprio really? stars in it. There's a trailer. Really? Yeah, I'll tweet it at you. <laughs> Stop texting. So, uh, <laughs> who's texting? Is someone texting? Buttons. Oh, people are taking pictures? Buttons is texting. Their, uh, oh, you got Periscope? That's Seifert. He is my... <laughs> Seifert, he thinks he's my boss, but it's actually Mark Maron. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> that's, that's basically my attitude to you this a lot of the right time, up, Dave. This guy's right up in here and way too casual. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> this ends in bullets. Yep. Oh, yeah. Fucking reanimator. There you go. This kid over here is going places. <laughs> reanimator t-shirt? He's fucking way ahead of half of you. How many people have seen Reanimator? Yeah. Oh, that's terrible. That's fucking terrible. It's a terrible ratio. We were always, this whole show's shit. And your guest is Al Madrigal. Yeah. Oh, how's it going, guys? Oh. Um. Hi, Al. Hey, we share an office. Have, so, uh, uh, we do. So I just, uh, <laughs> two days ago, I looked over yeah, and I said, uh, are you coming? And you go, I wish I hadn't. I said, yes. <laughs> and, uh, and I said, I cool, I'll see you there. I just would rather be home, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I really would. I get that. I, I, well, that, I mean, that, me too. Uh, yeah, how about sure. you? I mean, if we're all on the same page... <laughs> Are you guys going to be you dicks guys, about this? Yeah, yeah. I know you paid and you expected to see a show. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We'd all rather be home. Yeah. yeah. I think we all would, right? Let's all fucking go home. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. It's totally fair. <laughs> this is awkward. This is, um, uh, let's face it, this podcast is a chore. Yeah. For <laughs> to listen to, to do. I Everybody mean, involved. Nobody Everybody. wins. Everybody. Zach on sound is like, fuck. Uh, <sighs> March 24th, 1869! What year I didn't listen, I'm sorry. March 24th, 1869. 1869, all right. Did you ever listen to an episode? That's not I'm, a I'm aware of what you do. Yeah. Let's yeah. get into it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, I have yeah. to have a fucking T-shirt. Yeah, <laughs> he's got a T-shirt, uh, bro. Did you, did you watch The Daily Show before you did that? 
Yeah, of course. Okay, that's cool. You know what? But actually, there was a time. Levels. There was a time when the Daily Show, if you had a TiVo early on, that it took over e- your uh, DVR, your TiVo, what? and uh, became it overwhelmed the uh, the memory there. So yeah, I took Daily Show off after a while. Um, the TiVo could they reran it three times during the day, and so you couldn't fucking. There was a four thirty, seven thirty, like they were rerunning it during the next day. Comedy Central didn't have shit. And so they, I took it off. So I didn't watch. I didn't say every fucking Ed Helms piece. Uh, That's right, Ed Helms. Suck it. <laughs> We're coming at you. I thought I was asking a more simple question. No. <laughs> you should explain really quick, just for a second, yeah. how I met. He's one of the first guys I met in stand-up comedy. Yep. In in the old Cobb's Comedy Club, there was a list where they used to San rank. Francisco. They used to rank the comedians, uh-huh. and um, I remember walking back, and we had never met. And I think he was like looking at the list, scowling, <laughs> and wait, maybe Dave? Just, yeah, just looked at me and like, can you believe this fucking shit? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, this is okay, Dave Anthony. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Mister Positive Cheer. Uh, yeah, that used to be yeah. very different. <laughs> yeah. You really balanced out. Yep. <laughs> All right, but go ahead. March 24th, 1869. Alfred William Lawson was born in London. Three weeks after his birth, the family set sail for Ontario, Canada. That's what you want to do when you have a newborn baby. Get on a boat. Yeah. Well, <laughs> those boats then were very healthy. It was sort of like a nursery. Yep. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Just letting your child play with scurvy for the afternoon or something. <laughs> go playing at. Doctor recommended. Uh, so, uh, three years later, they settled in Detroit. His father's plan was to open up, quote, a one-man factory for the weaving of rag carpets in order to earn an honest living. That right. was, that's his dream. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> also, not a factory. One. That's like... Uh, no, that's a dude doing the thing. That's a guy. Yeah, that's like guy. being like, I'm a one-man party. Yeah. It's like, it's... No, eh, that's not, not really, true. You're not really a yeah. party. No, you're not a factory. No, you're a guy. Yeah, you're a man making things. You're a sad guy making rugs. I'm a Let's factory! See. I'm not crazy. <laughs> Alfin claimed his father received a diploma from Oxford University in electrical engineering, invented an early electrical engine, was a Shakespearean actor, and a preacher. So he was, that's definitely true. <laughs> I don't see how it can't be. <laughs> <laughs> of his mother, Alfin wrote, Oh God, it's awful when these women get hold of your of you, <laughs> oh God, it's awful when these women get hold of you. The poor devil had to become a preacher to marry her. Wait, what's happening right now? <laughs> what is that? That's something he wrote later about his his mom and his dad. About clearly, his mom's his mom's dad? No, about his mom and dad. He clearly so he uh, so <laughs> he, yeah, he talks shit about his mom, but not his dad. No, his dad's a preacher. Didn't want to be, though. Had to do it because of his mom. Okay. You know um, what? This is fucking... It's like he's doing a, a, an 80s comedy act about, <laughs> about marriage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My mother don't respect me. The only records of Alfred Lawson's early life are from his own writings. We'll find that Alfred calls Alfred Alfred a lot. It's not a red flag. And talks in the third person about him. Alfred's elementary school teachers said he was the most unruly pupil that had ever attended the school and that he believed there was 
that he believed he was there to instruct the teachers, frequently questioning the teachers. Wait, can we just stop right there real lies? quick? Because when we were in our, our shared office, an old travel agency yeah. up in La Cunada, um <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it used to be a travel agency. You came to this point and looked at me and said, what do you uh, call it when someone refers to themselves uh, by their own name? Oh, I yeah. Said, I said, third person. And you go, no, that's not right. It's a common misconception. People think because that. Because that's something some, someone fucking and told I, me, and I think they were wrong. And I said, <laughs> was it the bi-weekly guy? No. <laughs> it could have been the bi- it was, it was our friend Josh Olson. Yeah, now that guy's laughing because he's like, I know that guy, and I just fucking threw a friend out of the bus. <laughs> Quit talking about him in third person. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Go Dave ahead. Anthony just threw Josh Olsen under the bus. Yeah. Okay, Go, so th- th- yeah, carry are on. you good? Yeah. I just now everyone has context what happened in the like office. An a- <laughs> yeah. But you just made me feel like an asshole yep. uh, when I was sitting there because I immediately said, third person. You said, no, that's not right. A lot of stupid people think that. Uh, no. But. I, I'm sorry, Dave Anthony? <laughs> <laughs> it's all lies. It's all lies. I give him massages. I, <laughs> I mean, so horrified by that. Say, That's an appropriate reaction yeah, to a Dave Anthony massage. <laughs> I rub his buttocks with my tongue. That's, that's not rubbing. Okay, back to school. Alfred believed he was there to instruct the teachers, frequently questioning the teachers' facts as lies. He sounds cool. (laughs) He sounds like a cool customer. Happy, go lucky. Easy to teach. Fun in a class. Yeah, easy to teach. Although what they were teaching him was probably insane anyway. He was probably right. right. It's the fucking 1800s, so it's just all bullshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're like, a wizard does live in your heart, Alfred. Enough. Stop it! It's medical science! <laughs> I don't care if your dad re- invented the one-man factory. Uh, <laughs> shut the fuck up. He's also a preacher. I mean a church. <laughs> he had the first rug church. Yeah. Life with classmates was one fist fight after another. He lived by the motto... His heart is breaking right now. He sounds like a fucking asshole. He's a fucking dick. He lived by the motto, be sure you are right or don't fight. So he's great. Uh Then he left school at the age of 12. What more does he need to prove there? I mean, shit. He supported himself with, very, with various jobs. Newsboy, shoeshine, painting furniture, barrel maker, farmhand, hotel bellhop, blacksmith's assistant, and door-to-door sewing machine salesman. He literally sounds like a montage. <laughs> <laughs> His life is just... A montage that ends up just surrounded by change. Yeah, yeah. Wait. <laughs> Alfred, Alfred, you, see, you didn't say vacuum cleaner, did you? No, sewing machine. Oh, okay. Still, no. Could, what, I don't. I, I, don't I often hear vacuum cleaner in my head. You okay, Al? Yeah. <laughs> Alfred wrote of Alfred, the mother of Alfred Lawson. That's how he writes. He writes his full name. 
Right. The mother of Alfred Lawson persuaded him to go to an industrial school to learn a trade when he was about 13 years of age. While there, he learned to make coats and design clothing. He completed the trade school when about 17 years of age. That's what Alfred said. But the Detroit Free Press reported that on April 30th, 1882, when he was 14, he was sentenced to reform school until 18 years of age for larceny. But You're both can't no be idea. true. You're going to have no idea what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> he got out of reform school in 1887. Alfred started pitching for a local baseball team. He well, that always ends well in the <laughs> in dollop episodes. <laughs> He pitched against a, a league team in a game and won uh, with a 2-0 shutout. He was then approached by the league team manager and offered a contract. He pitched around Indiana and Illinois for the next three years, and by 1890 was hired by a minor league team called the Wilmington Delaware. <laughs> they, they were called the Delaware? They just, they just named themselves. They, they, they were like, let's call ourselves the Wilmington Delaware, which is a place. <laughs> But that's what they went with. <laughs> what about the Giants? No, we're the Wilmington. We're the Delawares. <laughs> no, just Delaware. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the Wilmington Every Evening Newspaper. <laughs> that's the terrible the, a name. A horrible. <laughs> bad name for a team, bad name for a paper. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> extra, extra, we're bad at naming. <laughs> uh the newspaper reported on Alfred's pitching, describing him as a phenomenon as they, as they watched him pitch from February to March before the season started. On opening day in April, uh, April 2nd, <laughs> sorry, mm -hmm. 500 fans plus the mayor, city council members, and the governor were there to watch his minor league debut. Wow. Yeah. All right. Lost 6-2. to two. <laughs> Shame. Then he pitched in a 12-1 loss to Syracuse on April 19th, a 15-0 loss. After three more losses, he was released by the team. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Character issues? Yep. Yep. You wanted to time that sip right, and that just got it fucked up. It didn't work. <laughs> on uh, May 6th, he signed with the Boston Bean Eaters. Oh. <laughs> At least they're trying. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, 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 what should we call ourselves? The Boston, oh, Massachusetts. Oh, oh. <laughs> he was let go after pitching one game. <laughs> he then pitched two games for Pittsburgh, lost horribly, and that was that. Next, he began managing teams. Why? Wait, how does that happen? You go to the top. Can you teach my team to suck? Come on, boys, I've been horrible for like two weeks. Uh, he got a bunch of players together, named them the Al Lawson's American All-Stars. Wait, wait, but wait, but they are when a regular team. When does that ever happen? When has anyone ever named a team like that? That's <laughs> genius. What <laughs> genius, yeah. We're the All-Stars. Well, what about the All-Star team? Sorry, bro. <laughs> Taken. Fuck it. <laughs> Just came straight out with it. They're the All-Stars. Yeah, we're the All-Stars. Uh, and he went on a tour of Cuba. <laughs> they lost all but one of the six games. <laughs> Rumors swirled that the team was frequently drunk in Cuba and threw games. When questioned by reporters, Alfred replied, No, sir, I want to say that my boys behave themselves at all times, and any talk you may have heard about them throwing three games on purpose is rot. 
such a specific <laughs> rebuttal. Oddly, oddly specific yeah, number. Yeah, like, you think we threw three of those games? He's like, no, I was saying five. Wait, why? <laughs> Did you just throw three? What? No! Where'd that you woman come up wanted with, it! Where'd Wait, you what? get that number? <laughs> crazy, you're crazy. Are I you looking in my head? Drugs up my ass? <laughs> what? <laughs> Nobody said that. What? Uh, Alfred's baseball career continued for nine more years. How? <laughs> really? How? What? So like, baseball was like just starting, so I guess you could just it's suck It's like everywhere. when an actor is not good but was in something good and then works for like 10 more years just because he's like... Most actors? I mean, sorry, all actors. It's like when all actors... <laughs> so he, uh, he traveled around California, Spokane, Atlanta. He did a world tour in uh, 1893 to England, South Africa. Australia, New Zealand, Honolulu. He even set up an amateur uh, amateur baseball clubs in Australia. Really? Yeah, there's actually newspaper reports. Well, they were in a stable place at that time, as we know. <laughs> then, at 28 years old, Alfred realized that he was falling into bad shape. Smoking, drinking, rich foods made his body fall, fall apart, and he became unhappy. <laughs> so... <laughs> now he knows how everyone around him felt. <laughs> <laughs> so he, quote... Shook off the vile habits, and like magic, all of his physical and mental ailments left him. Yeah, it's crazy when you do stop drinking every day and smoking <laughs> cigarettes, you tend to feel better. I don't know what it is, but I feel a little different today. <laughs> I haven't drank nine beers, smoked, or eaten all that pig. So what to do with this new knowledge? Well, how Wait, about... His new knowledge is to just not be a shithead? <laughs> how about write a novel? Great. Oh, boy. Born Again was published in 1904. It was a utopian fantasy with a complicated plot... Oh, boy. ...and characters that had the same name. That's why the plot was complicated. <laughs> it's the best way to complicate any story. We're all Alfreds. <laughs> I'm a Lawson. Yeah. <laughs> mm. <laughs> it was reviewed as, quote, one of the worst works of fiction ever printed. Something. So he's going, you guys can tell he's going places. Yeah. Right? Well, I just love how he doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to countries, teaching people how to play, but he's 28 years old. I'm going to write a book. I have failed at baseball, and I'm an alcoholic, uh, and I should write a book. I Perfect. know one name. It's time to write a book. Uh, <laughs> one human name I know. Alfred entered the cabin and said, hello, Alfred. Yeah. Alfred took Alfred's jacket and sat down while Alfred massaged Alfred. More Alfreds were coming over later, Alfred thought to himself, as Alfred, <laughs> as Alfred's wife, Alfred, finished the turkey in the oven. <laughs> Little Alfred was sick that winter, but that didn't bother Alfred. Not that Alfred, the other Alfred from earlier. <laughs> Not that one, the other one. Is this a book? Is anyone reading this? Alfred thought. 
So he could write, and mm. he had no experience with planes. Well, now, that's going to suggest that planes are about to become a thing he's into. Alfred founded a magazine called Fly in 1908. Wait, before knowing how to fly? Anything? Yeah, he didn't know how to fly. He had no aeronautical knowledge. He just went, I like, I guess planes is a thing now. It's 1908. What I think flying is, the magazine. <laughs> Every article by Alfred. And a forward by Alfred. Glenn Curtis had just achieved a one-mile flight, and the Wright brothers had made their first public demonstration. So why not start a magazine? I mean, that's real early in the game. I'd be like, it I just started... happened. I gotta get in on this. Do you want to see Laserdisc the magazine? <laughs> I got a good feeling about this. Fly was very successful. Wow. It wasn't. What? It wasn't very... It was. Oh, it was. Holy shit. Yeah, he did something right. <laughs> you were like, finally. I'm correct you there, yeah. because everything up to this point... <laughs> it should, this shouldn't be happening, This right? should not uh, be happening, yeah. but Fly took off. Let's see what we got. <laughs> In a year, it had a circulation of 6000 a month. He then sold Fly to someone who made an offer, moved to New York, and started a magazine called Aircraft. Just, but he just didn't the guy who bought it have like a no compete clause? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. okay, thank you. I hope your life works out. I have fly. Yeah. I'm also starting fly. Wait, what? <laughs> Read that contract, asshole. <laughs> Within a few months, aircraft was recognized as the leading authority upon aeronautics in America, issuing. <laughs> But he doesn't know anything, right? Who cares? <laughs> Everybody. Can't a man succeed? Okay. <laughs> he was issuing 14,000 copies uh, a month in November uh, 1910. Alfred actually coined the term aircraft. He not aircraft. Yeah. Wait, well, he was in Germany for a minute? Uh, <laughs> he's an aircraft. Aircraft! Inside the aircraft. He not only came up with the term aircraft, but he trademarked it. That and airliner. He wow. predicted that, quote, the flying machine would carry more than 50 people, would be able to stay in the air for five days. <laughs> <laughs> and be capable of crossing yeah. oceans. <laughs> Magazines had art the magazine had articles for the average reader, like why ladies are and should be interested in ballooning. Yeah, and... <laughs> Normal, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, ladies, the plane's a little crazy for you. You should be in a basket under a big, bulbous <laughs> thing. Get in this helium basket, lady. And uh, how to build a gilding machine. He believed that... <laughs> a factory. Uh, a one man. Yeah. He believed that, quote, the time will come when all national boundaries are wiped out and there is but one people left in the world. Aerial flight will be a big factor in breaking down these foolish national barriers, which cause men to fight each other like wild beasts and will help, you, help to unite them in one big family. <laughs> Airplanes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, there's, a, there's a country boundary here, but... Oh, we're free. <laughs> 
No more countries. Yeah. <laughs> no more countries would just be really weird. No, there's a thing in the sky. Oh, we are all the same. <laughs> now, it's not aircraft, it's aircraft. From a 1913 article in Aircraft, quote, flying will develop a superior quality in mankind as far in advance of the present man as the present man is in advance of the ape. Sorry. I d- no, not his best stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's messed up? No, not his best stuff. <laughs> <laughs> We've heard better from Alfred, <laughs> which is really saying something. By the year 3000, a superior type of man. I will mean, have what to a go- fucking asshole to go to the year. <laughs> like, Back to the Future was like, had balls to go to 2015. This guy's like, in the year 3000. That's great when you can hear a faucet turn on after a joke. You know, things went good. Psst, that was just a guy going, A superior type of man will have begun the Alti Man. A superhuman who will live in the upper stratus of the atmosphere and never come down to Earth at all. <laughs> An alti man? How yeah, we, how the do we alti know man. That's not happening <laughs> right, right yeah. now. It, he, it this is, is this there. is uh, we don't eight hundred years away. That's true. Or so, that's whatever, the good thing about add. a prediction like that—a nice buffer when you die that nobody <laughs> can call you on. No, shit. who can call him out on it? It's men will live in space. Alti men. Regular men will be earthbound. There'll be no countries. And everyone will be named Alfred. All right. <laughs> Alfred learned to fly in 1913. He became the first airplane commuter in the country to fly his own plane, flying 35 miles from New Jersey to Manhattan. When the U.S. entered World War I in 1917, Alfred secured financing for an aircraft plant in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Fuck yeah, he did. Yeah. <laughs> I like the Green Bay Packers a lot. But you're from, you're from up there. Milwaukee. Right. That's up there. Why is this so awkward? It well, just you, feels like... Uh, you just got weird. I did? I think people were expecting okay. something funny instead of like a, like a strange factual don't stare. Don't they understand I'm the straight man? I don't understand. <laughs> she took that bait. You're very vocal, my dear. What did she yell out? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> no way. Azalf. Alfred made two fighter plane prototypes for the War Department, but orders for the Lawson Armored Battler were rejected. He wrote letters to Congress throughout 1918 urging an immediate increase of a billion dollars in funding for aviation. Jesus. That's like all the money back yeah, then. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> And a little bit for hot air balloons. For, for the, the wife. Ladies. For the ladies. These are man planes. Yeah. In his fourth letter <laughs> to Congress, number four, he proposed stationing steamships with designed flat tops across the Atlantic Ocean to fly, fly planes over to Europe, claiming it can be operational in four months. That's a good idea. That's not a bad idea. It's an air. He's talking about aircraft yeah, carriers. Which, they uh, got to be considering letter number four. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're <laughs> it's a solid idea. Yeah. This one's not bad, you guys. The first, <laughs> the first three, the billion Garbage. dollar shit. Yeah. Just, but yeah. 
I think we did some flat shit out yeah. there. <laughs> Quote, flat shit out there. Um, the war ended, though. Ah, oh, shit. Oh. I know. There'll be more. Yep. Don't you worry, Alfie, baby. Lawson Aircraft reorganized into Lawson Airplane Company and the Lawson Airline Transportation Company. The company's first passenger plane built was the first built specifically for commercial passenger travel. It had two 400-horsepower engines holding two pilots and 16 passengers, all seated in upholstered upholstered wicker chairs. Oh. (laughs) Luxury. Right? Oh, nice wicker seat. Uh, <laughs> get on that plane after a long commute. Oh, oh just getting some wicker. in the wicker. <laughs> oh, God. Just getting something that'll burn quick. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Something, something if the shit hits the fan that you won't have to wait around and plan for anything. You'll be gone. <laughs> wicker. Uh, one of the airplane designers. It's, it's light. It's the only thing he's done that's made sense. I get that uh, it's light. Yeah. <laughs> I get that it's light, but it's still wicker. Yeah. Right. Aluminum's light. All right, what do you do next? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Anthony Madrigal Material Showdown. <laughs> What about feathers? Uh, One of the airplane designers, Vincent Bernelli, described Alfred as, quote, perhaps the craziest man I ever knew. He was a a wiry megalomaniac filled with nervous energy who didn't need alcohol to get high. His his ego kept him floating in the clouds. He was a cross between a crackpot and a genius. That's loaded. That is loaded. Yeah, I don't know what I mean. <laughs> it's concerning. Alfred was trying to establish landing fields across the country for coast-to-coast trips. He wanted 100 planes carrying 26 passengers on 36-hour trips. He intended to build sleepers so that people flying from New York to California could sleep, like on a train. Mm. Huh? Beds and nails, right? Yep. Something nice to sit into. <laughs> oh, sleeping Take a on load off. wicker. Yeah. The Arizona Republic published a photo on October 1, 1920. Edgar Croft... What? What did I say? Yeah, people say first. (laughs) Oh, my God. You fucking pedantic assholes. (laughs) I mean, how are you not all Twitter right now? (laughs) It's not first, it's one. You can't block in real I life. I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> I should have I written first. You're right. But I wrote 01. I apologize for ruining the podcast. <laughs> Edgar Croft, a newspaper reporter. This is a photo. Edgar Croft. What date was this on? October. <laughs> Urst. <laughs> Um, a newspaper reporter was shaving himself with a straight-edged razor while flying on a Lawson airline. Wow. Jesus. Mr. Croft said that he found it much easier to shave himself on a modern Lawson airliner traveling at 120 miles an hour than he did shaving himself on a railroad train moving at 40 miles an hour. What about regular land? <laughs> just, why is he even rolling the dice up? I mean, sure. what? 
in such a better shape yeah. on the plane. Because when I was on that railroad car, I had to get stitches all over my face. Who's like testing that? What about? You know, it's not easy to shave on either. Hey, have you thought about shaving when you get there? No, 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 no. Of course not. I'm out of my mind. <laughs> Time for the balls. <laughs> I'll only shave my balls in a hot air balloon. Mr. Croft's catchphrase was time for the balls. Wow. What? That How happens you from know time that? to time. I'm good. I actually got into your computer. Shower, bath, laboratories, and all modern conveniences would be on the planes. In 1919, Bats. Alfred scored a post office contract to deliver mail by plane. Contracts for three airmail routes for $685,000 a year were awarded. Each plane would carry 1,500 pounds of mail per trip besides the passengers. The first trip of Lawson Airlines took off on May 8, 1921 from the Great Falls Tribute. With one of its wings hitting a tree on the takeoff. Did anybody else see that coming a mile away? <laughs> I knew those people were dead in the second that he mentioned something positive happened. Everyone's dead. <laughs> that fucking dude shaving is gone. He's like, ah! Not on takeoff, Larry! So it's not with trains! Trains don't hit trees! <laughs> with one of its wings hitting a tree on takeoff of what was to be the maiden trip, the Lawson Airliner Midnight Liner Deluxe. Valued at $75,000, crashed 50 feet to the ground Sunday. Four passengers, including Alfred Lawson, escaped uninjured. No. What happened to the mail? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Don't bury the lead. <laughs> the mail was lost. The crash caused his financial backers to withdraw their support. Lawson Aircraft Company was declared bankrupt in 1922. Jesus. He did try to revive it in 1926 with the idea of a double-decker airplane to carry more passengers. No, well, hey, you know how the first one wrong crashed. Direction. You know how the first one crashed. This one's gonna be bigger. <laughs> Smart. He also tried to create a New York to DC double-decker bus route, patent, trying to patent the, the double-decker bus, but nothing materialized. Then Alfred started writing books. Not again. Uh, rather in pitch. The first two volumes of Lawson... Lawson... Lawson-Anemy. Lawson-Anemy? Lawson-Anemy. Lawson-Anemy. lawson me. Like astronomy, but Lawson-Anemy. Oh. Lawson-Anemy. Oh. That's, that's really the good. The first two volumes of Lawson-Anemy were self-published. He turned his attention to economics, philosophy, and education. <laughs> Finally. Lossonomy is the knowledge of life and everything pertaining thereto. Lossonomy is based upon life as it is and not upon a theory of what it ought to be. Theory as espoused by so-called wise men and self-styled scholars has no place in lossonomy. Everything must be pr provable or reasonable or it is not lossonomy. Lossonomy treats of things as they are and not as they pretended to be. Facts, not fancies. Truth, not falsity. 
Knowledge, not notions. It is the foundation of lossonomy. How old is he there? Like 32? <laughs> yeah, he's uh, not very old. Sounds... Yeah, he's around there. <laughs> you got to throw he, uh, fair and balanced on that list, too. He thought people like Albert Einstein were <laughs> full of shit. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, someone's taking the big dog down. <laughs> Fuck that dude. I'm with Al. Fred, not you. I mean, yeah. I'm on your side as well. I get it. Thank you. Anyway. Well, he was the anti-Alfred in his opinion. Hmm? Oh, hmm? right, yeah. There is no greater load... I'm still quoting. There is no greater load of misconception than the unprovable theory that somewhere, somehow, and in some shape, there exists a substance called energy that causes movement. No such thing exists! We know he's right now. Instead of energy, Alfred believed there is a constant push-pull battle between things with high density and low density. So materials with high density move towards the ones with less density. This created suction and pressure. For example... <laughs> I'm excited for this example. <laughs> we are able to see because our eyes draw light with suction. So everybody also agrees he's clearly back on the sauce, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a fun month when he was off. <laughs> yeah. He was like, I'm out of ideas! <laughs> Gravity was also the pull of the Earth's suction. Suction. Lawson's theory of suction and pressure was something he discovered at the age of four... When he was calling his mom a cunt and hitting teachers. <laughs> At the age of four, when he noticed blowing on dust pushed it away, while inhaling it brought it closer. <laughs> the story there is he was just inhaling dust. A little fucking... Like a baby genius. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Alfred, what are you doing? <laughs> Solving physics! It. I'm doing physics! <laughs> it is possible that Alfred got his ideas and understanding of physics from his father, who in the three years before Alfred's birth spent all his time trying to make a perpetual motion machine. <laughs> it's always the dad. Yeah. Sometimes the mom, but usually the dad. It's just great to know that he worked on a project that he could just never solve. He's just like, I'll get this. this will One take. day I'm going to do it, and it's just going to keep on going. Forever. Watch, Alfred. Get away from the dust. <laughs> Actually, get the corners. <laughs> now, as far as the, the planet Earth goes, the planet is swimming in ether while the Earth is made of less ether. Since less ether is not as dense as ether, it creates suction through a hole at the North Pole. So, Earth nutrients go in through the hole and enter the arteries of the Earth, which then distribute the nutrients all over the planet. Then they are eventually shot out of the Earth's butthole, the South Pole. I, m I made that term up, but it seems appropriate. It seems very... It is a butthole. If it's at the bottom and stuff's coming out of it, it's technically a butthole. You can't be shitting on Santa. I mean, you got to shit somewhere. Right. Yeah, Thank go you. out the other end. <laughs> hey, when the earth gets food poisoning, do too. You, do you, are you familiar with earth 
earth buttholes? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. That's whatever. That's what I, how I taught my kids. Uh, yeah, how to uh, refer and respect to the the planet. Uh, I, I, was, I use buttholes for everything. So, uh, <laughs> that's actually a book you wrote, right? Buttholes yeah, for everything. Buttholes. <laughs> Everything's a butthole by yeah, Al yeah. Madrigal. Uh. <laughs> And then there was poverty and economics. Oh boy. Alfred wanted everyone to be given a direct credit from the government. These direct credits would be used instead of cash as evidence of ownership of land, products, and labor. This way, everyone would be able to prosper, the poor would be fed and educated, and everyone's talents would be realized. Wait, why though? Because he went to demolition man money? Because everyone gets credits instead of money. I mean, it is the same thing as money. But thing everybody money. gets credits. <laughs> They're just different. Well, They're not based on gold. It's just a, you get a credit. Based on nothing. It, it takes a crazy theory to be like, there might be something to that earth butthole thing. <laughs> Walk me back through that one. That one seemed like it was a little grounded. The idea of direct credits caught on. While it, was sec- while it was scornfully called a movem- movement of milkmen, which referred to its uniforms, the Direct Credit Society swept the Midwest. <laughs> in, in parades in Detroit in 1933, in Cleveland in 34, in St. Louis, in Milwaukee. Well, we were followed Cleveland's lead, bro, so. <laughs> Not our fault. Fuck you on that if you're trying to throw the... Don't you dare. <laughs> Thousands in white uniforms with red sashes and caps with lasonomy on the visor marched alongside floats with slogans such as All nations need direct credits for little children and feeble old folk. Is this a parade? What is this? What am I watching over here? They graduate from heaven? What's happening? Other signs like leader of the world's greatest economic movement, these were preceded by marching bands playing the anthems Hark to Lawson, what? Songs of Lawsonomy, and A Passenger of Truth. <laughs> no Lawson pun there, huh? <clears throat> the Direct Credit Society had military ranks for members. Each new member would begin as a corporal, and after signing up 50 new members, they would advance to sergeant. So, L. Ron Hubbard... <laughs> Heard it's this. It's Amway. <laughs> and was like, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> they, they all have to sell soap to their moms. <laughs> um, and then if you, you sign up to 100, you become a lieutenant and 250 captain and sure. so on and so forth. Right. Lawson claimed 75,000 officers in 1934 and a total of a million members by 1936. No dues, but donations were paid to Lawson's Humani- Humanity Benefactor Foundation. One former officer recalled later, my family gave Lawson 8000 over 10 years. That's the reason we don't have a home. Should have managed his credits better. <laughs> In this economy with those credits? What do you want, buddy? <laughs> Others cashed in their insurance policy, sold their farms, stores, and cemetery plots to contribute. What do we have left? Selling a cemetery plot in that time, as we've learned, is not good. That's just like, take the bodies and fuck them and eat their hearts and do whatever the fuck you want. (laughs) 
Well, there are a lot of vampires. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a newspaper was started called The Benefactor. The paper once claimed a circulation of more than six million, which cannot be verified. Yeah. <laughs> Claiming shit's fun. <laughs> the Benefactor, quote... The people of the U.S. have turned over their money system to the financiers, of, and these tricksters use this money as a medium to defraud the people by making them pay tribute for the use of it, and thereby they are enabled to not only swindle the American worker, but it also enables them to actually make slaves of the people themselves on account of indebtedness. So, he's right. Yep. Yeah. yeah. He's, he nailed it. Yep. That's a real Fox News vibe about it. They're crazy. Watch us. In 1939, Lawson published a volume of Lasonomy called The Almighty. So he's stabilizing. <laughs> the Almighty was a little more religious. Sure. Quote, the ape man, as God views him, is not a creature of which to feel proud. About every 2,000 years, a new teacher with advanced intellectual equipment appears upon earth to lead the people a step or two nearer to one God of everybody. Previous teachers lacked knowledge concerning the physical, mental, and mechanical laws to establish their teachings uh -oh. upon a, a sound and lasting basis. Oh, dear. Who could do this job? <laughs> guesses? Guesses? It, I'd the love to hear who he nominates. The name was in his, uh, his uh, first novel. Really? Wow. I mean, they're all so good. I don't even remember the first one. Let me know who he picks. Alfred. Yes, the guy who claimed his birth was, quote, the most momentous occurrence since the birth of mankind. <laughs> it's like when you have to write a bio for yourself. It's, like, super uncomfortable, you know? <laughs> A bio's an uh, interesting thing. Anyway. I wish people could relate to that, but most yeah. people don't write bios. Yeah. Yeah. You guys, you guys know when you're writing your bio? Yeah. <laughs> oh, you got to write a bio in the third. You got to be like, Gareth Reynolds is from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It'd be like real sad when you send it like, uh, someone else wrote that shit. Well, now you can write, the most momentous occurrence since the birth of mankind. May I have the job? By 1943, Lawson had penned over 50 volumes of Lasonomy. Oh, God. And then he raised over $100,000 and bought an abandoned college. On November 30th, 1943, the Des Moines University of Lasonomy was incorporated as a nonprofit. So, he abandoned a college in Des Moines? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it, we're done. Let's get out of here. Fantastic. Should we surprising. sell it? <laughs> no. Yeah, walk away. Go. Walk Get the fuck away. Someone will take it. Who said to do this in Des Moines? <laughs> this town is boring. June 18, 1944. It was announced the university would enroll a limited number of students. Applicants must be free from all mental and moral defects, including such <laughs> habits as liquor drinking, tobacco smoking, gambling, Dancing and face painting. <laughs> right? Face painting's the gateway. <laughs> Next thing you know, you're dancing. I mean, 
I started with just two stripes yeah. in the morning, yeah. and then next thing I did, I was blowing dudes and doing heroin. <laughs> it's just straight to that. I used I'm to paint street. my nose red alone in my place. Now I'm an alcoholic. And the college would operate a maternity hospital with a nursery where newborn infants would be brought into the world and taught lasonomy from the day they were born. (laughs) This is real. Tell me about this suction! (laughs) (laughs) Now, which one of these poles is the asshole? Point to it. Okay, you shit, that's pressure. (laughs) To get into the university, one had to be, quote, conversant with lasonomy literature and pass a rigid examination concerning its principles. A student described classes. You study Lawson's books, read and recite from the books. Cool, so uh, that sounds good. (laughs) Glad they abandoned that place. No other books were allowed. Yeah, well, why would they be? When the it's basketball when the basketball team brought in a rule book about basketball. No. No. Yeah, they a rule? were he had to write the rule book for basketball? Well they Who's starting Alfred? <laughs> <laughs> After thirty years of study, the degree of knowledge, knowledge in would be 30, awarded. 30 years so of college? So after 30 years of college, you'd get a degree of knowledge in. Knowledge in. Knowledge in? Knowledge in. I wish he made up words that were easier to say. Knowledge in. You are now a knowledge in. In lautonomy. Welcome. Lasonomy. Uh, the point is. <laughs> Neighbors living nearby complained about a tall fence that was built around the university. You mean the prison. (laughs) (laughs) They also were awoken every morning by bugle calls and were concerned about the young boys seen working on the grounds from sunup to late in the evening wondering how the university avoided child labor laws. (laughs) The fence. What? That's the fence. Don't worry, we're good over here. <laughs> don't ask any questions. Neighbors were also intrigued by the disappearance of the school's coal smoke. Alfred believed it was healthier to bury the smoke than to let it escape from the chimneys. We're all thinking what? You know I what? Mean, now, you guys are all like, what are you talking about? Because you don't know shit about lasonomy. <laughs> Or autonomy. <laughs> the smoke stacks, stacks were capped and the smoke disappeared. Alfred did try unsuccessfully to patent his Lawson's smoke evaporator. When asked how it worked, he chuckled. <laughs> Any more questions? <sighs> Everyone wants to know about it, but uh, not until I get it patented. <laughs> So I'm a shady. fucking asshole. In 1943, Lawson, now 74 years old, married a 29-year-old woman. Oh, he he's finally done, did something wrong. He's done, he's done so much shit. 
I'm serious. With the way this is going, what do you think yeah. was gonna fucking happen? Uh, what are they gonna talk about? <laughs> <laughs> Not buying it. Wicker on airplane while shaving. I'm in. Earth's anus. I'm listening. That's quite an age difference. No. <laughs> By the way, they had a kid. <laughs> All right, now I'm back with you guys. <laughs> A.K.A. another janitor. Uh, <laughs> Scrub the smokeless chimney. He named his son after the character in his novel. Yep, it's a better way to put it all the time. He's named after the main character in my novel. All the characters in my novel. My name. Everyone's Alfred. <laughs> but the marriage did not sit well with many of his flock. It was followed by a, quote, wholesale exodus of major generals from the organization. <laughs> oh, God, what are they going to do without the generals? <laughs> <laughs> They've recruited so many. They're so smart. <laughs> but Alfred announced that about 700 generals asked him to stay as commander-in-chief. Well, that story checks out. No need to dig on that one. <laughs> Validation enough. The benefactor reported in 1950 that 1,000 churches were being planned for cities in the Midwest. By the mid-1950s, there were seven outside of the university. Their services did not include prayer as Lasonian, Lasonian law... Fuck. As Lasonian God acted only through natural law and did not interfere in ape man affairs. I mean, okay, I'm, okay. I don't understand it, keep going. Readings and sermons were taken from Lasonomy books. Sermons were ended with, thus saith Alfred Lawson. <laughs> Fuck. It's so easy to start a religion. <laughs> it's just crazy. You could be a fucking idiot. Yeah, apparently. you just gotta be like, I printed a lot of things. Get in here. Lock that door. <laughs> we bury smoke. These are your generals. Anybody hear about Cuba? Good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no? All right, great. We're going to get along famously. <clears throat> Hymns sung included Be a Nologian. Be a Nologian. Oh, God. And were they were like sung as hymns, right? Uh, yep. Lasonomy will envelop the earth. And uh, we give thanks for lasonomy. I would just love to hear those. One. Just one yeah. in. Yeah. Just top to bottom, yeah. the whole fucking thing. We are a lasonomy. Uh, reading from the book, the new guy's like, what's going on? I want to hear the, be a knowledge in <laughs> Everyone's looking. <laughs> now knowledge in there. On April 11, 1951, two Iowa State representatives were turned away after attempting to visit the University of Lasonomy. They got as far as the hallway before an official told them to, quote, write a letter if you want any information. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> write four of them if they, we don't write back. City and county assessors for years had encountered difficulty obtaining tax information. One representative described the institution as Des Moines Iron Curtain. <clears throat> 
That's something you put on a postcard right there. <laughs> it's bragging rights. Come down to Des Moines Iron Curtain. <laughs> Come on down. <clears throat> March 1952, it was reported that the government was looking into the sales of surplus war machine tools that had been sold to the University of Lysonomy. <laughs> oh, shit. Well, <laughs> oh, don't get to. With the understanding that they would be used for educational purposes. The tools had been bought at, a, at cost for $3,691 and sold for more than $116,000. Alfred, now 82, was given a summons to appear before a Senate small business committee. 82. <laughs> he, like, he's crazy at like 15. At 82, you're like, sweet God. He's got old person crazy and yeah. God-given crazy. He appeared on... I mean, <laughs> Alfred given crazy. <laughs> he appeared our, uh, at the Senate committee on March 22nd and emphatically denied that he personally profited from the sale of the tools. He shouted angrily at the Senate members, saying, the university taught lasonomy, music, theology, and other things. So there were no more questions from the yeah. Senate. <laughs> it's a legit category. <laughs> <laughs> and other I things. Actually, uh, I actually got a degree in other things from Santa Barbara. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then you can get a really good stuffs degree from UCLA. Yeah. <laughs> I majored in other things for 30 years. <laughs> I'm a general, so... <laughs> Not a big deal. I don't want to freak everyone out, but I'm a general. <laughs> 30 years studying other things. The, the machine tools, he said, were used to teach lasonomy, which he described as, quote, the knowledge of life and everything that pertains thereto, the biggest and best machines the world had ever known. <laughs> Alfred said he knew some of the tools had been sold, but he said... <laughs> but he had no idea how much the school got for them. That's I weird. don't go into these details. I'm thinking great, great philosophical thoughts for the benefit of mankind. <laughs> I don't need this shit. <laughs> you and your fucking Senate. I've, my brain is working. <laughs> Can you see? Hello? <laughs> Alfred said the school's president is a man named Hater. Wow, he's ahead of his time. Whose first name he was unable to remember. <laughs> he's 82 and pissed and crazy. Like, it's going to be awkward as fuck. Sure. The president's name is Hater. I don't know his first name. I'm thinking thoughts. <laughs> Albert Einstein's an asshole. <laughs> Quote, I have had probably two million names float through my brain the last 20 years. I can't think of all these little things. I've written 50 books already in the past 20 years, and that wears on your memory. <laughs> that is the best thing to say when you forget someone's name. Like, I've learned too many names. I have said that. <laughs> uh, I've actually met you before. Sorry, man. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, bro. At some point, you just, all you see is consonants. <laughs> <laughs> Alfred's attempts to explain lasonomy to the senators were confusing. So there's other quotes besides the ones you read, right? <laughs> yeah. Because those are pretty clear. As he left, he called the experience 
the damnedest thing I've ever heard in all my life. A senator responded, I don't know whether you're talking about the same thing, but I'm inclined to agree with you. (laughs) (laughs) It's crazy when you're on a senator's side. You're like, that guy's awesome. Then an officer of the university testified that a $150,000 profit on the machine tools went for university expenses. The IRS revoked the university's nonprofit status, and Alfred Lawson was forced to auction his school to a developer who turned it into a shopping mall. Mm. All was over. Alfred Lawson, founder of Lasonomy, died November 29, 1954, of a heart attack in San Antonio, Texas, in a hotel at 85 years old. In 1955, the university was being razzed when construction workers found 300-foot-long tunnels leading uh, from the boiler room, where a fan blew the smoke from the power plant through the tunnels and up into vents, the openings to the outside were covered with shrubbery. (laughs) (laughs) The smoke evaporator! He's just pumping smoke into... Yeah, instead of out the smokestacks, he just tunneled it through bushes. (laughs) How? How? How could he possibly? I don't know, but he couldn't get a patent for it. (laughs) When you have enough little kids uh, working for you, you really can accomplish a tremendous amount. Yeah, it was just like busy work. He's like, dig tunnels! (laughs) Dig, Tommy, dig! (laughs) The Humanity Benefactor Foundation owned a farm in Wisconsin where the University of Lasonomy was then relocated in 1956. Four students, university officers, and caretakers lived on the farm for years, and around 100 students will hold a reunion there once a year. In 1979, you are absolutely correct in having that reaction to this fucking crazy story because it's super close to us. But let's all think about also, when we started on March 24th, 1869, the the impact that this guy is having after he's fucking dead. And none of us are going to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Not one person in here is going to have the same effect. So he might be just batshit fucking crazy. Right, former baseball player who went on to write a magazine on an industry he knew nothing about. Started a fucking religion, but that religion somehow went on to 19-fucking-79. So I don't know what we're about to hear, but this is incredible. Uh, it's just so yeah. Yeah. What do you got? Well... In 1979, nine degrees of knowledge were awarded to mostly people in their 80s and 90s who had been studying for over 30 years. It's graduation. Yeah. (laughs) We forgot about those people. (laughs) Those poor people. (laughs) I totally forgot about them, too. (laughs) Take... Take their little thing. Hey. Hey. 
<laughs> hey, Shannon, when did we win it? I cannot get a job. <laughs> I can't get a job. This job market's terrible. <laughs> my degree, well, my specialty is on the Earth's butthole. <laughs> Let me finish. <laughs> oh, I was finished. Sorry. The Chicago Reader, June 18th. The Chicago Reader's good. 1998. It's fucking horrible when the crazy shit from the 1800s gets this close to us, isn't it? <laughs> a, sign, a sign bannered across a fence facing Interstate 94 about a mile south of the first exit to Racine, Wisconsin. Oh, God. That That's reads, where you can buy fireworks. Yeah. That reads, University of Lasonomy. There are a few signs of life in the empty fields along Shut the road, up. but on one farm, <laughs> Merle and Margie Hayden live in the house. Merle directs the university. Marge is 79 and Merle is 78. Both began following Lawson when they were teenagers. Uh. You know what? Listen. A lot of you guys are going to hop from fucking job to job. <laughs> But these people found something, and they hooked into it, and this is a very satisfying life. I think we all know what we need to do. <laughs> Who's really crazy in this story? Yeah. Think about that, gang. <laughs> they are not the last living lasonomists in the world, That's Merle fucking promises. crazy. How many lasonomists are there in the world? Not enough, he answers. Merle conducts monthly meetings. I mean four. <laughs> Sorry, four is the answer. <laughs> Guys, tonight, hashtag Lasonomy. <laughs> and we're going to bring this oh, back. Yeah. Hashtag. <laughs> hashtag Lasonomy. We're trending. We're trending. <laughs> I don't know what it is. We're doing it, though. Everybody's saying it. Yeah. Merle conducts monthly meetings with, with his students, uh, but there are no resident students. Lasonomy is a home study course now, given free of charge. I mean... Because you can just find it online. To earn a degree... Is it University of Phoenix? Is that what it is? <laughs> <laughs> a strong vibe. To earn a degree certifying a graduate as a knowledgean still takes 30 years. I can't explain all this stuff in an afternoon, says Merle, who is a, but who, who, is a who, who is a knowledgearian. Are those the two options? Can you do it in an afternoon? Can you do it in 30 years? <laughs> Let's go with that one, then. But, you know, if it's like three minutes a day, uh, yeah. I think you're putting in. <laughs> it's just like the eight-minute abs of your mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, sense. it comes out of the earth's butthole. Study again. Nobody forgot that fact. You were like, well, I got the one I'll remember. <laughs> the South Pole is an anus. Merle is a, no a knowledge in. I've been studying it for more than 50 years myself. Jesus. Reported on March 3rd, 2015. Jesus. Hold on, hold on. Take it easy. Take it easy. 
It's not what you think. It's just Merle's dead. A Kickstarter, a Kickstarter campaign to make the film Last of the, the Lasonomists, following Merle Hayden, the last crusading member of Lasonomy, raised 16000 in 2013. Too much. A 10000 grant from the Wisconsin Humanities Council will be used for post-production costs with the, film, with the goal of a film festival premiere later this year. That's actually what we're going to show. We're going. Right actually, yeah. <laughs> if you guys... Want to start it up? Merle, why don't you come out? <laughs> Merle's here. Is it on? <laughs> yeah, the film. No? That would be I'm the sure. best way to do it. Like, and, uh, by the way, we're on a ship and we're in Des Moines, so. <laughs> We've been flying there the whole time. Yeah. How's everyone enjoying the wicker? <laughs> Anyway, that's Lasonomy. Well, and nothing I'll weird about a, that. I'll put up a trailer uh, for the movie on Facebook. Yeah. That's it? It's over? Yeah. Oh, God. Thank Alfred. Jesus. <laughs> that was... <laughs> took forever. This thing's really doing my head in now. Yeah. You're going to wake up tonight in the middle of the night and be like, there's something about that stuff I heard. Yeah. Yeah. Your I'm name's going too to Des Moines. Yeah. <laughs> Let's all go to the mall. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be great to start doing it like through the mall now, like yeah. at like, the stores. Like, so, um, you ever wonder what the poles are? <laughs> like those sweaters? I was just going to say, what, do you ever wonder what the poles really are? Come in the back room real quick. <laughs> Uh, well, you guys, thank you for coming out. Uh, thank you to Al Madrigal for joining us. Thanks to Garrett, Gary Reynolds. Gary. I've been Dave Come Anthony. Out. Zach was on sound. I'll just jump in. Thank you! Everybody, it's Gareth, you know, from this uh, this podcast. Uh, listen, I've got some stand-up shows. I'm inviting the Garmy, the Gareth Army, to join me for. I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 18th and August 19th. I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 24th through August 26th at Acme. I will be going to the UK in September. Please join me. I will be in Glasgow, September 13th, London, September 15th, Dublin, September 17th, and September 19th, Manchester, Birmingham, September 20th, Bristol, September 22nd, and Cardiff, September 24th. And then in November, I'll be in Australia. November 10th, almost sold out, I think. I'll be in Melbourne, Australia. Then I will be in Northbridge, Australia on November 15th. Adelaide, November 16th. Canberra, November 17th. Brisbane, November 18th. And then I will be in uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, let's get at it after it. Let's see you there. 
Hey there, people listening to The Dollop. Uh, this is Gareth. Yes, the same guy. I Listen, I have a new podcast called We're Here to Help that I'm doing with my friend Jake Johnson. It's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't, but we try to help people with problems that are important to them. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts, and it is out right now. So go listen to We're Here to Help with Jake and Gareth. We're here to help with Gareth and Jake. I don't remember how we did it, but either way, fun half hour comes out Tuesday, August 22nd, and the episodes will be out every Tuesday and Friday. We're here to help. 